Hello and welcome to episode 149 of The Winning Agenda. My name's Jesse Marshall and joining me tonight, as always, is 2017 world champion, 2017 store champion, 2016 national champion, 2016 store champion, 2015 nationals top eight competitor, 2015 store champion, 2015 regional champion, 2014 store champion, and 2013 regionals top eight competitor, Wilfred E. Horrig. How are you, Wilfie? Thank you, Jesse. I do sort of feel like maybe you put your best foot forward too early. Oh, you think I should have done it in chronological order rather than reverse chronological order? Yeah, I mean, just a tip for next time is that maybe if you build up to the most impressive thing... I thought I did. Well, I, I'm not sure if I told the story, but the regionals that I top eight had fewer than eight people, so <laughs> we'll leave that one there. Anyway, how are you, Wilfie? Good. Uh, it's good to be uh, back on the airwaves. I hope everyone missed us. Yeah, and uh, one of the reasons that we've been off for quite a while is that my computer blew up, uh, so I have, we haven't been able to record for a while, but now I have a shiny new computer in front of me, which is very nice. What sort of Netrunner card do you think describes the attack on your computer? Oh, um, well, I'm not sure it was. I would describe it as an attack. Uh, it was just sort of like a crappy hardware, really. Oh, no, a mem strips. Yeah, just, uh, maybe maybe a bad motherboard. Um, just just what's the worst hardware you can think of? Q coherence chip. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a it was a Q coherence chip issue. You trashed a program and then it it just died. It did, and it wouldn't boot, uh, which is kind of a necessary function for a, a computer. Yeah, I would agree, and I'm sure everyone who pays attention to the flavor of Netrunner would also be in agreement. Since, Mm. you know, all the stories about Netrunner, you need your computer to boot. But uh, feel free to email us your uh, tip for worst hardware in the game. Uh, Yeah, and especially if it's from one of the cycles that we know, like uh, Luna, Spin, (laughs) (laughs) somewhere around there. Um, Now, on that note, Wilfie, um, I think it's no secret that... uh, We've been playing a bit less Netrunner uh, since Worlds than we were before. Um, But I think it's safe to say that in the last little while, we've both been sort of exploring the current card pool. And and even when we haven't been playing that many games, uh, I certainly have been very impressed with the metagame and the diversity of the metagame. Um, And for me as a competitive player, I think one of the intimidating things about the current metagame is that it is so wide open and the time commitment required to really get your head around that and all the different decks that are possible and then to brew in a wide open metagame um, is a lot larger than the time commitment where the best decks are quite settled. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. As we've said before, you know, you can realistically just find a card that you like and try to build a deck around that. And while we have done that a few times recently, it's sort of like you do that and then you find out that something doesn't quite work and then you change it. And a lot of the times it needs quite a bit of tuning before it can get to a polished state. Yeah, and so what are some examples for you of cards that you've really liked recently that you've thought about building a deck around or that you've been pleased to see decks built around? Yeah, so one of my favorite recent cards is Reconstruction Contract. I'm sure everyone knows it by now, but that you don't have to just play it in a fast advanced deck. I've also tried to score a government takeover with it somewhat unsuccessfully, but 
you know, no, no shame in trying. Yeah. And now government takeover is a card that you lambasted as being basically a joke when it came out. And I think since then, your love for it has only grown month by month. And now we have you saying that your favorite idea in the current metagame is to try and score government takeover. This is truly a reversal. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing where it really does push the boundaries of what Netrunner does so no other card really does the same thing as it and it has a very unique effect and in that way it's sort of a good testing ground for new ideas I think can they make this off the wall concept work or do these two concepts work together I think is a interest really interesting idea to explore when you're looking at new cards is not only does it work in current decks and often that's a lot easier to find out you know if you just swap for example three pad campaign for three personalized portal or whatever that's a lot easier to determine or three anonymous tip for three rashida or something like that that's a lot easier to work out then does this new card put a whole new spin on this old strategy and to be fair to you uh, government takeover was a lot worse when it was released in terms of the options that were available in faction to deal with it and how to help you to score it and since then we've seen the whole jemison mechanic as well as now reconstruction contract and dedication ceremony as well as you mentioned so um yeah there's lots of different options there for wayland players to try and go big yeah and i mean just on a bit of a tangent one of my favorite things about this cycle is the mini faction cards this is the first time that we've had two mini faction cards uh, for each mini faction in a cycle and I really do like that with just one card, you can change the mini faction more drastically than any other faction just because it's such a higher percentage of the faction's total card pool. And are there any particular mini faction cards from the Katara cycle that you'd like to give a shout out to? Uh, I think Emergent Creativity is one of the more Mm. interesting ones. Um, It's a very powerful card for sure. Yeah, just because... It's it sort of plays on one of the main strengths of, of the mini factions, which is the high influence. That means you get to play, you know, a range of cards that don't normally go in decks together in addition to your core strategy. And I think that's probably the main thing that distinguishes different Adam decks, for example, from one another is the cards that you spend your influence on. So Emergent Creativity pushes that to a, a new level, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and... The Apex cards, I mean, we discussed a simulator in our pack review that we did um, of the pack that it was in, but uh, Consume and, and as well as White and Black Hat, which I think we discussed White Hat as well um, in a pack review. But yeah, there's quite a few different options, I think, that take those other two mini factions in different directions. I think Adam's two cards are both just really um, efficient and it's kind of quite clear what they do, whereas I think the the Sunny and the Apex cards sort of play into those... Um, mini factions other card pool a little better like they're a bit more synergistic rather than just powerful or efficient yeah so given that we haven't spent a huge amount of time on the katara cycle as a whole um what are some of your favorite your favorite cards that have come out of it and how do they impact your deck design choices and i mean Mm. we have had the sixth pack for a while uh, it was, I think, spoiled a bit out of order. So yep. I think we can talk about it, but of course not everyone has will have had a chance to play with those cards yet. Yeah, look, I think the Katara cycle's a really neat cycle. Um, 
like neat in terms of neatly designed. I think the mechanics tie in well together. I think the uh, cards in each different faction support each other quite well, and, and the themes that it tries to explore are, I think, explored to an appropriate power level. Uh, in terms of individual cards, I mean, I'll start with the corp side because for me, um, corp deck building is what always brings me back to the game. Um, I think it's no secret from the way that we talk about uh, our decks that we build and and the game in general that I enjoy playing corp a lot more and enjoy sort of creating puzzles for the runner. So um, in terms of things that have drawn my attention on the corp deck building side, I think that I go through faction by faction, the the HB cards, um, you've got some really powerful bio roads in there as well as these uh, assets that are proactive. So Malia and Coinda, um, they're not the highest power level cards, but they at least give corpse the chance to do something a little bit different, which is be a bit more proactive with assets that will sort of affect the board straight away as they're rest. And I think the that's a comment that I'd make in general about the corp cards in this cycle is that I think the assets are at a really interesting power level where they all affect the game. Um, in some significant way, either immediately when they're rezzed or in a few turns' time, uh, rather than being sources of just ongoing incremental advantage that slowly wear the runner down. And I much prefer assets that are designed that way. Yeah, it's very cool to see assets that have a different take on the runner cost-benefit analysis to trashing as opposed to what we've seen be good in the past, which is gives you an incremental advantage every time the corp does something until you eventually overwhelm the runner these are a bit more situational and yeah that makes them a bit weaker in a lot of situations but it also really changes that dynamic which is interesting yeah i think uh i to be honest haven't um kept up with netrunner db and uh sort of top decks from tournaments and things. So I'm not sure what <laughs> cards people have been playing in decks, but Warden Fatima to me is another one that stands out as having obvious synergy with Fairchild 3. Um, and if I was going to try and build an HB um, uh, sort of Glacier-style deck scoring out of a remote, I think that's one that I would definitely consider having in there as well, particularly with the interesting new Byroids in the cycle. Um, any thoughts from you on the on the HB cards? I mean, we've got two new next cards as well. Yeah, I think the next cards are what I wanted to talk about. I think next Sapphire is really interesting, both in terms of being an ice that really changes in value over the course of the game. Mm. Like all the abilities have, or all the subroutines rather, really have a different valuation to the corp depending on where in the game you are. Like sometimes the first ability might be the best sometimes the first ability might not even really do anything and the last ability might be the best or or something like that which i think is a really interesting ability on a already strong piece of ice in terms of numbers yeah definitely especially in a post jackson world the the price on these sorts of effects is is a lot higher um, well, the price may not be higher in that a lot of the cards that do it cost zero on one credits, and that's not what I mean. But the the opportunity cost in terms of including them in your deck is high because if you have to, you know, spend card slots to improve it, to include preemptive action and cards like that. Um, uh, and what's the the new neutral one? Um, distract the masses. Yeah, they're card slots that you could be doing other things with, and those are always really frustrating as as a corp deck builder. I think given so much as we've discussed, so many card slots in your deck are already taken up by agendas and ice, you know, mandatorily basically. Um, so having a piece of ice that does something interesting gives you resource advantage in drawing your cards, as well as giving you that ability to recycle things um, into into R and D 
and get and hide those agendas i think is really cool yeah i think that's probably my favorite hp card from the cycle um i also like that there's an infinite combo with it but i perhaps thankfully have never seen anyone actually do anything with it although it's a neat idea that that can happen Hmm. Um, how do you feel about infinite combos uh i feel like it's cool to read about them on the internet same as with the you know ci seven point dealios where you know you read how it works and then you're like oh this is cool and then when you play against them every game it's like hmm maybe this is not as cool as i was hoping for in practice yeah um on the jinteki side of things again i think the cards are all at a power level that i really like because i read them all and i think oh i could see that having a place in this deck or that deck um but none of them seem overpowered so for example gene splicer you know when anyone first reads it it's like wow it's a june bug sure it only does one instead of two but it's got this cool upside where if they don't run it it gives you a really serious advantage of being becoming an agenda point um and i think in practice i've certainly come to view june bug as still being a better card um because the difference between two and one net damage for each advancement counter is huge if they do run it um and so uh, plus the cost of two and everything else I think on on balance, Junebug ends up being a better card, but this just gives you another option if you want to try and do something different um, and have more options in your yeah. deck, which is cool. I think it's cool that you don't necessarily want cards that are either more flexible, like this is more flexible, whereas Junebug is more powerful, and the decision right. to include one of those in the deck is already a choice. It's not like one is better on power level. You really have to work out what you want to do with that card. Right, exactly. Um and then I think similarly, you've got a whole lot of ice, which do similar things in terms of creating net damage penalties, you know, Maganga and Anansi and even Envelope. Um, Envelope, I think, despite being the simplest for me, I really like it. I think it pairs well in a deck with um, Kakugo, where you're just trying to create a whole lot of little spiky net damage penalties for runners who are making runs. Um, obviously, it's a little less good than Kakugo still costing the same amount um, and not giving you the guaranteed net damage even once they have the breaker out, but you know, it's, it's okay. I think it's worth considering. Um, and again, it's another example of something that sits on the edge of playability and, and certainly is one that you put out on the table when you're putting together your deck. And Anansi's the same, I think. Yeah, I think that those cards are really cool. I also like Code Replicator and BioVault. They all do sort of different things, especially with the ice that you just mentioned, or not necessarily with those ice, but just the idea of Jinteki having more flexible ice to go with you know, cards like DNA Tracker and Komayunu. Now you have different options that do similar things, but in not quite the same way which is really important when you're playing cards like code replicator or bio vault that can really make the runner encounter ice multiple times or really make the runner care about which particular ice they're running on in the server that you care about yeah and i mean bio vault just appears to me to be a potentially very powerful piece of either a um an ag infusion uh or a uh Mati Mukundu deck in terms of creating some kind of glacier and giving you really it's obvious comparison is to Nisei, but giving you the ability to end runs and force runners to go through damaging servers over and over again. That's a pretty powerful ability for Corps to have, and I certainly look forward to having, making some kind of glacier deck with it. Yeah, exactly. The fact that you 
can end the run on anywhere and you can even advance it as though it's a trap makes it a really flexible card and the cost is so low to include it in your deck yeah chucking it in your one big server along with your agenda um, and it, it, like you say being able to advance an upgrade in itself is already a powerful ability let alone having it on such a relevant card um, on the mbn side of things anything that leaps out at you uh, so I think my favorite MBN card is, well, we've talked about Asmari Edtech, which I actually have played quite a bit. I think that's an interesting card, but it is a bit too much because of the numbers. You know, it's just a very effective card. And in practice, because of the way, you know, the best way to play around it is to just not play the type that you're opponent chooses or to play multiple of those on one turn so you don't really want to shift it that much over the course of the game because then you know you're giving the runner turns where they can play the cards that they couldn't play last turn which is not the best so i think we've talked about that a fair bit before i think apart from that my favorite card is uh endless eula just for its uh effectiveness in a world without parasite i think you know it's sort of like ed tech in that it's strong but it's because of the numbers I really like the two um, cards with orange art, uh, Calibration Testing and Echo Chamber, um, not only because they have very orange art, but also because they, I think, are very cool ways for NBN to get to seven. Uh, calibration Testing, uh, you know, we've spoken about it a lot of times in amongst ourselves as the half sand sand because that's pretty much what it is. Um, you know, sand sand stayed in play, but it cost six. Uh, this doesn't stay in play, but it only costs three. And really, I think if you had both options available to you uh, in the card pool, you'd still choose to play the half sand sand sometimes because paying three to get one agenda scored is sometimes what you, where you want to be at, obviously, in terms of your credit pool and in terms of where the game's at. Um, I really like it. Uh, it synergizes really well with CTM, obviously, um, but there are lots of other places you can play it and for me, having more ways for the corpse to threaten to score agendas is really important for the game, so I like yeah, that card a lot. it's definitely a very cool card, and the fact that it goes in a lot of different strategies and you can play it even in-game in a lot of different ways, like do you play the calibration testing first to try and bait them into a remote, or do you play the agenda and only use the calibration testing You know, when you have to to score a bigger agenda? is a very interesting dilemma mm. and that's not unique obviously as you're saying so you can stack them up for bigger agendas if you if the rudder gives you that opportunity um echo chamber as well i mentioned briefly i like because i don't so much like runners being able to manufacture points um, but i do like corpse being able to manufacture points from non-agenda cards just because of the asymmetrical structure of the deck construction and the way the game plays in that non-interactive runners are a lot more damaging for the game than corpse being able to generate agenda points because the runner can intrinsically interact with the corpse board a lot more um so yeah you know i like something like this a lot more than i like seeing liberated cello the numbers on this are at the right point where if you really need this sort of effect you can play it and protect it and have it be good but it's not going to be something that every deck wants just to give you an ability to score more points just because it's you really need to put resources into making this card work. Mm. Um, and market forces, I'll just give a quick shout out. Um, it's just from the last pack. And I like that because I like the numbers on it. Firstly, as you said, Wilfie, that, um, you know, they, they're rather losing three for each tag they have, and then you gain one for each credit lost. Um, that's quite a huge credit swing. And I think it's where you want 
tag punishment to be at in terms of power level. And I think, again, it's an interesting variation on closed accounts. Sometimes you're just going to be like, damn, I wish I had the closed accounts if they've got one tag, but it gives you more granularity in terms of uh, cards use. Uh, with different other cards. So in a deck where you're expecting the runner to have a lot of tags, market forces suddenly looks a lot more attractive. Um, what about the neutral cards, Wilfie? The Actually, of the five, all of them are pretty strong, which uh, maybe not. Uh, Technico is okay, I think, but definitely SSL, NGO Front, and Rashida all have really flexible and broad utility in a lot of different decks. Uh, SSL and NGO front, I'm sure everyone's sort of sick of seeing by even by now just because they sort of are the generic cards to do what they do. Like if you need a 5-3, SSL endorsement is really strong in a lot of different scenarios and it's never bad. And NGO front is an advanceable uh, trap that you can play in any deck if you need more things to bait the runner into your remote and it's just a generically good economy card even if you don't necessarily want that all the time yeah and this is another thing that we've spoken about a lot in terms of when the game is good and i think when runners have a lot of threats they need to respond to the game is better uh, ngo front gives creates that which i really like um it may push it a little far in, in some instances in that the game also is not great when the runner is stretched too thin um, in terms of the threats they have to respond to and the rewards they get or the likelihood of them getting rewards for making those runs. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little torn on NGO front. I, I really like it from a corp deck building perspective, but part of me sort of thinks it's a little too small a cost and a little too small a opportunity cost for corps to have to pay compared to... Um, how much it puts out runner game plans it definitely is strong but i do think that putting a card that has a one trash cost in your deck is fairly significant especially nowadays where you know a mm. runner that wants to can get accesses on centrals even early so i think that that's a yep. fair trade-off i mean the card is of course very strong especially for a neutral card, but I think that's a fair trade-off to choose to put this card in your deck for that cost. Yeah. Um, Rashida, I think, is a really interesting compliment to NGO Front. I just want to stop on that quickly because I think uh, they both act as agendas when they're face down in play um, and they both give you a really good benefit if the runner doesn't run them. I mean, Rashida doesn't have the advantage that NGO Front does of giving you advantage even if the runner runs it. Um, but... I think they're both really great examples of neutral corp card design where, you know, you're bluffing them as agendas and then they give you a benefit. They're definitely the sort of basic effects that corp decks need just to function. And I mean, you can it can be the case that every faction can have different versions of them, but I think it also makes it simpler or more consistent if there are neutral versions that do sort of generically good things in the, that vein as well. Sort of like SSL endorsement. Sure, there are some better 5-3s for the different factions, depending on your strategy, like Bacterial Programming, which is in this cycle also is a Jinteki card that a lot of the time you want over SSL endorsement, but as just a generically strong 5-3, the fact that your fallback can always be SSL endorsement is, I think, good for the game. Mm. Um, And what about our green friends? Uh, Wayland, <laughs> although Reconstruction Contracts, as we've discussed, is very good, I do sort of feel like, yet again, Wayland sort of gets 
the raw end of the deal. <laughs> they don't have a huge number of cards that are good in faction, and I mean, I think apart from the Titan Fast Advance deck, it's still a bit uncertain what Waylon wants to do. Like a lot of people have been playing SSO Industries, but in terms of that identity, the swinginess of having to keep big agendas on the board for a long time, I think, is potentially very hard to get over as a deck building restriction. Yeah. I do like seeing Economic Warfare, particularly if there are going to be so many trace cards in Wayland's Color Pie. I think you've got to have some way to interact with the runner's credit pool as well as your own. But I still think Wayland does struggle a little bit on the economy front, and I'd like to see some other economy card come out to try and buff some of those strategies that are a little more left field in terms of using the trace and Economic Warfare style cards, pardon the pun, um, that aren't actually economic warfare to achieve some other strategic advantage, things like Trojan Horse and Force Connection and whatever else, which you're just not going to be able to uh, play without a lot more support. Like, there are lots of cards that do cool things, and, you know, Wayland's always had a lot of cards that let you leverage your economic advantage, but some uh, generically strong economy card is really missing from this cycle. Uh, I do just quickly want to call out High Profile Target, which I think is a fantastic meat damage card. I think that's exactly where you want um, meat damage to be at. Urban Renewal, on the other hand, I don't really like at all um, as a how how to build a deck around a card like that. Uh, I find a little bit too much of a, a puzzle, but look, maybe some people have made it work. Um, False Flag is another one that I find really interesting, perhaps a little underpowered. Um, the seven is a lot um, to try and get it up to, like to bluff it as the three-pointer. Um, uh, sorry, to bluff it to get the three points. And I'm not sure that the penalty is quite strong enough in terms of one tag for every two advancement tokens to make uh, leaving it there good enough. But it's a really interesting card design and I like the direction that it's going in, even if that particular one doesn't quite get there. Yeah, moving on to the other runner cards. We mentioned the mini factions recently. Um, what stands out for you? I mean, Anarch's card pool here is obviously strongly dominated by Freedom Kamalo and the support cards for Freedom Kamalo. But is there anything, or what do you think of that firstly? What do you think of the, the Freedom Kamalo card sort of package? I think that the ability is strong, sort of a mix of Wizard and Edward Kim. And I think that if you can get a good mix of those two cards, that's really strong because they're individually fairly powerful. But, well, Wizard isn't very narrow, but Freedom Kamalu is not as strong numerically as Wizard. So a combination of those two cards, but at a reduced power level, can be strong because it's flexible. But then again, when you have to play cards in your deck just to give you virus counters it sort of reduces its flexibility a lot because you have cards that aren't doing a heap but boosting the freedom kamalo which means that you're spending your in-game resources to get trashes i think it's a lot stronger when you can have a game plan that creates incidental virus counters but i'm not sure if that's easy to do at the moment just because anarch's core of conspiracy breakers and uh, card flow is strong and doesn't an inject especially doesn't hugely allow you to play uh, other programs in your deck whereas freedom commanders if you're going to be playing a lot of viruses most of them are going to be programs yeah it's an interesting one because edward kim and wizard both do what they do without requiring any interaction from other cards at all 
uh, whereas Fred and Kamalo obviously references virus counters on installed cards and its ability and its power is dependent on how many of those you're able to access. So, yeah, I, I'm a little bit torn as well it, in, in that it does push you in a particular direction. But that being said, the, the cards that enable you to get virus counters in this cycle are quite efficient. If it's going to be good, it's going to be because of the breaker cycle use of um, Musasi and there's no code gate, it seems. Like, they both have the data sucker ability. That's true. The There are a couple, like there's Plague and, and Data Sucker, obviously, as you mentioned. And Contaminate as well. I mean, you know, uh, Surge was never very good. Um, but Contaminate, maybe adding an extra one and not having the restriction um, on where you play it and when you play it might be good enough. But again, I think card slots will probably dictate that that one doesn't see a lot of play right but that goes more into my earlier point that you have cards that generate virus counters whereas freedom uses virus counters i think that it would be best placed where you have cards that have both like data sucker and yusuf that incidentally also work with your other ways to use virus counters like freedom sure rather than needing to slot a and b together no that's fair and obviously losing things like medium harms that and but yeah, we'll see if the, the existing card pool is good enough or what we get from the big box in that regard. Um, crim cards, what do you reckon? 419? Yeah, 419 is strong and does have a very interesting play pattern for the corp. I like that it forces the corp to make a lot of actually quite relevant decisions during the game mm-hmm. in terms of do you want to show them what you're up to or is it better for you to just pay credits which limits your opportunities in the future and options in the future so i really think 419 is well designed in terms of the other criminal cards some are strong like falsified credentials i think is a good way to make an exposed card playable like you can you if you're going to use it for your the expose effect where you really don't know what the card is then it's a lot of the time you don't want that and it's not like infiltration where both of the rates are fairly weak this is even if you need to expose it you can still get a benefit for it um if you guess right and then cards like corporate grant uh credit kiting uh rogue trading are all sort of interesting economy or economy-ish options that don't really work in the regular criminal run a lot game plan which i think is cool and something that is interesting is that criminals been moving away from that for a while so i think they're really trying to pull away from that which has been successful to some extent yeah i think so um i really like credit kiting and corporate grant in that they sort of pull criminal in some different directions like you say that aren't just around making lots of runs and and getting advantages from that um diversion of funds you know as a siphon replacement i think that's a a card that people are, have been waiting for for a long time, so it's probably worth us spending a moment on that as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on it as a as compared to Siphon or, and in a vacuum? You know, being a double, um, having very different numbers on it to Siphon, uh, how do you feel about it? Yeah, so I think that this card... Of course, the game does need a fixed Siphon just because Siphon is such a strong part of Criminal's colour pie that to lose it and have no replacement really means that Criminal's lose a lot of their tools and a lot of their strategies. And I mean, of course, it's not great when your whole game plan revolves around Siphon because of how samey the gameplay can be of 
siphon you, you can't do anything, siphon you again. So I think this goes a long way to making sure that you need to a on the runner side invest more resources into it because it doesn't pay for itself as effectively so siphoning multiple times or diverting the corpse funds <laughs> multiple times isn't such a good game plan but then also the element of the corp being able to better defend against this because the runner needs to put more resources into even starting it like paying one having to pay two clicks and the reward being lesser and also it being five influence so it's not as easily splashed out of faction means that the corp can have a plan of stopping the diversion of funds and is better able to execute that plan than i think against siphon yeah no i think that's really fair i do think that it's a better replacement and i'm interested to see where criminal decks go having this as one of their tools as opposed to the card that sort of defines the faction yeah i think there are some this almost feels like a corset card pool for criminal (laughs) um in that all the effects are not particularly splashy they don't necessarily give you uh power that you need to win the game but they give you your engine uh, i guess like they give you something to sit under your economy and make it function properly and i'm really interested to see where the criminal card pool goes from here to try and give crims some more options to win the game i guess does that make sense yeah so criminals have their tools you know you have some solid economy that doesn't just work in the same way that criminal economy has before you have some specific hate cards and uh, you have some cards that push you into certain strategies but you don't have anything that particularly forces you one way or the other and that you can build a strategy around like even 419 is just a more generic value ID, like, of course, it works well with exposed effects like Zamba and Amakua, but not so much that it really benefits you to put all your exposed effects and exposed payoffs in your deck with 419. Um, and how about um, the Shaper cards? Yeah, so what's your favorite Shaper card from the cycle? Um, I mean, Cabernet Wu has drawn a lot of attention because of the turn one opus ability of it. Um, what are your thoughts on that, I guess, as a starting point? Yeah, so I think that that can be very strong and I think it's definitely interesting that you do have a ID that gives you consistency in a way that's not really defining how you build your deck. Like, you can play it with Opus, you can play it with anything and you can play support cards, but it doesn't really push you... Like, I, I thought when... Cabernet Wu came out that you would just want to get the same thing every time like origami and then game day or anything just because of how strong the consistency can be of getting the same things but it hasn't really played out that way sure a lot of the times you are using her with opus but then she also does have a lot of utility in getting cards later on in the game and often you don't even necessarily want to go get opus early or it's you can do other things with the ability. So I think on the whole, she's turned out really fl- a lot more flexible than I was anticipating. Yeah, I mean, any tutor ability is really good. And this is, I think, the opposite of Freedom Kamalo in that it doesn't require anything else. It's so flexible. Um, and the ability in and of itself, I mean, Freedom Kamalo and 419 both ask quite a bit of you, I think, in terms of other cards in your deck to really get the most out of them. Um, whereas this helps you get the most out of the other cards in your deck, whatever they are. Um, So it's sort of the reverse. 
Exactly. In terms of other cards in the card pool, um, anything else that jumps out at you? I really like the Kongamato Gabali pair. I think that they enable a different sort of shaper that doesn't necessarily rely on a big rig, and we've seen them play with deep data mining really well in the past. So I think that's an, uh, that is an interesting way to take shaper where you don't necessarily just want to get one breaker of each type and magnum opus, which I was worried that we would sort of push you into that pattern, but allowing you to break ice without necessarily needing an icebreaker also allows you to run more aggressively and really do more things in the early game apart from set up your board, which I think is a really interesting way to take Shaper. Yeah, and I think the other card I wanted to mention is Because I Can, which is not a particularly powerful card, but I like having a card like this in the card pool because I think it's almost a fail-safe in case something goes a bit wrong on the corp side, Um, and it means that all factions at one influence have access to this effect um, and just in general being able to deal with assets or installed cards in a different way and incidentally also be able to get some value from shuffling back in, you know, rest cards that the corpse invested quite a bit in rather than having to pay the trash cost is, is kind of cool. Yeah, I think that that is true. It is important to have cards like this in the metagame and you do hope that they don't see play, but if yeah something does go wrong, on the corp side, you at least have a fail-safe. Yeah. Um, and I think well, that's probably it. I mean, there's a few little value cards and, and bits and pieces here and there. But again, um, it feels a little bit like this is giving Shaper a few basic effects, um, particularly in combination with the core set. And how about the runner neutral cards, Wolfie? Well, I do like Jackpot a lot, just because of the name and flavor and really the everything, even though it's not the most powerful card, because you don't really have a huge amount of control, especially not compared to when you want to play your economy cards, which is you want your economy cards to do the same thing every game. With cards that trigger when you score agendas, you can't necessarily have that level of control over when they trigger, so this is not great, but I think it's a cool card anyway. And RNG key I do think is really interesting because it's a program that allows you to do something that's a bit different to what we've seen programs do in the past like it's more of a economy card or resource generation card in combination with other things so it plays more like a resource that costs a memory so i think that's an interesting space to play in where you're using your memory not just to play programs and icebreakers that help you get into servers but also that do things when you do get into servers and give you benefits it's a, an example of what we were talking about earlier with side grades that not only happen during deck construction but also in the game and this doesn't this isn't something that we've seen uh, runners have to do all that much which is uh, make decisions about their memory use like you say for other effects that are really desirable but which may hamper their ability to get into servers or restrict it slightly yeah exactly so I think that's a really cool design and of course I like the fact that you choose something randomly yeah All right, well, uh, that brings us to the end of episode 149. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed our discussion of the Katara cycle. And if you've got any thoughts on anything we've mentioned or any cards that you think we should have shouted out that we didn't, uh, please send us an email or get in touch with us in any of the following ways. You can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on Facebook. Our like page is The Winning Agenda. You can tweet us at Winning Agenda. Uh, And if you want to send a few dollars our way, you can head along to www.thewinningagenda.com 
sorry, www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda. You can go to www.thewinningagenda.com as well if you want to listen to any of our old episodes. Um, and thanks again to all of our wonderful Patreon supporters who are continuing uh, to support this podcast and, and keep our uh, episodes all hosted up there on the internet and available for you to listen to. Um, the other thing that we should mention is next episode will be our 150th and we've already got a couple of uh, lovely emails from listeners who've told us about things they enjoy about the podcast, episodes they've particularly liked, uh, perhaps uh, jokes that they've enjoyed, uh, favorite flavor text uh, or favorite world champions. Um, and if you'd like to send any of those things through to us, you can check us an email. Um, it can be as short or as long as you like and we'll give you a shout out and read out those emails uh, next episode. So thanks a lot. And we hope to hear from some of you and we will see you very shortly for our 150th Spectacular. Yes, thanks for listening. See you next week.